The scripture reading comes from Matthew 20, chapter 24, verses 42 to 44. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. This is the reading of God's Word. Well, good, after, good afternoon um, on this sort of gloomy day. I did see some snow, a little snow on the way here. I don't know if you saw it. So maybe it feels a little more Christmassy, but it is the Christmas season. And, uh, you know, like Jason just said, our Christmas party is next week. But then, you know, of course, Christmas Sunday, the 25th, will be the week after that. Um, How's it been? How, how's your holidays? Well, like, what's it feel like right now? How are you spending uh, the, the Christmas season? Um, kids, how are you doing in school, getting ready to get out? What's it like? Um, you know, maybe you have a Christmas tree already in your home. Maybe, maybe you know, you have presents even wrapped up. You're making plans for family dinner. Um, it's what we normally do, right? It's, it's Christmas. Um, we recognize Christmas in the church. In fact, most churches do. But let me just be very honest with you and a little clear about something. For me, uh, Christmas is not necessarily a Christian thing, uh, specifically. It's more of a cultural thing. Um, maybe it's a commercial thing. Uh, I'm not trying to be a Scrooge or anything, but I don't necessarily take and try and make Christmas into more of a Christian thing. Does that make sense? I don't, I don't necessarily try to put Christ back into Christmas because it's a holiday that's all for everybody. Uh, in our country. What we do sometimes is at home when, during Christmas morning, we, we gather as a family and we might read Luke chapter 2, um, but then we open presents and have dinner like everybody else about the birth of Christ. And so um, what we try to do is maybe, I think what we can do is that we reflect during this time of year um, to remind ourselves that, that our faith and that Jesus Christ is, is bigger than Christmas Day, isn't it? Um, it's bigger than the Christmas of our culture. Christmas is fun. Uh, it's my most favorite holiday. I, I like Christmas time. I like the idea of Santa and presents and trees and wreaths and eggnog. I've, even though I've only had it maybe twice in my lifetime. Um, I don't like nativity scenes so much. Um, I love the family times and the friends that gather. But let's, let's think about it. I mean, if we're really going to think about Christmas again this year, this time of year, if Christmas means Jesus being born into the world... The idea of Jesus being born into the world, it really clashes with the signs and the symbols of our Christmas culture. And sometimes it can be hard to discern the difference. For example, there was a game created around 2015 in London, okay, of all places, by a company called Como Games. The game was called Santa versus Jesus, right? It was in London. It was sold on Amazon.com UK. It was the number one board game, the number one board game in Amazon, right? And the object of the game was to battle through challenges in an attempt to win the most believers. So you might imagine, uh, this was a game funded by Kickstarter, and they said it was the most complained about game in their history. It created confusion uh, between Santa and Jesus for many children and even many, many adults. 
And, and so I thought it might be interesting today to compare and contrast. If we really want to remember Christmas as the birth of Christ, how different really it is from the culture that we spend. Think about it. I mean, Santa versus Jesus, okay? Santa comes once a year. Jesus is ever-present in your help, Psalm 46, right? Santa fills your stockings with, with goodies. Jesus supplies all your needs, Philippians 4. Santa comes down a chimney, uninvited. Jesus stands at your door. He knocks. He enters your heart when invited, Revelation 3. You have to wait in line sometimes to see a Santa. Jesus is as close as the mention of his name, John 14. Santa might let you sit on his lap, but Jesus lets you rest in his arms, Matthew chapter 11. Santa doesn't know your name when you see him in the mall. All he could say is, hey, little boy, little girl, what's your name? But Jesus knew our name before we were even born. Not only does he know our name, he knows our history. He knows our future, right? He even knows how many hairs are on our head, Luke chapter 12. Santa may make you laugh, but Jesus says, I'll give you a joy that's to be your strength. Acts chapter 5, Luke says that the God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed, by hanging him on a tree. See, Santa might put gifts under your tree, but the Bible says Jesus became our gift and died on a tree. It's very different, isn't it? I mean, it, it clashes. Think about this. You know the song that we like to sing, you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. He knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. That's kind of creepy, no? It's a little, but, but the point here is, is that you better be good because if you're not, Santa won't give you any toys. It's kind of judgmental, right? If you're good, I'll give you something. If you're not, you get worse. You don't get any toys. But Jesus Christ, he gives gifts. And here's the difference. He gives gifts even when you are bad. That's why it's called grace. And he forgives. Santa might be fun, but for the record, I'm on Team Jesus if I had to play that game. And the Christmas Santa, then, what we see here is very different from the Christmas Jesus. But there's something in our passage today that's even more different from the cultural Christmas that we experience and enjoy compared to the birth of Jesus Christ. It's very different. If you remember last week, we started talking about what Advent was. And Advent, we said, comes from the Latin word, uh, the coming, right? And it's, so, it's this longing, this anticipation, this, this waiting that the Old Testament people and the biblical people had for the coming of a Savior, that something or someone is coming. That's why it's Advent. And so there was this encouragement. So be ready, right? Be prepared. And even in our passage today that Denny just read for us in verse 42, it says the same thing, that Jesus is coming. Stay awake, verse 42. Be, verse 44, be ready. 
But the difference in our passage about this coming and the one we talked about last week is that the coming that Matthew is talking about is not the first coming, the birth of Jesus. It's about the second coming, the return of Jesus, right? The second advent, when God comes back in his glory. But when you read this text really carefully, this text uh, focuses not so much about the waiting and the longing and the watchfulness and being, being ready. The focus on this text is the quality of not, not knowing. Verse 42, you don't know when he's coming. In fact, earlier in this chapter, verse 36 says, be ready for the coming of the Savior, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Nobody knows when he's coming. Not even the angels, Jesus says. You know, I don't know if you remember, but in the 80s, there was this, um, this pastor, I think uh, what I would call a false prophet, by the name of Harold Camping. And for some reason, he was very popular at a radio show, at a church, and, and he was preaching this, all this stuff, and he was telling people he knew when Jesus was coming back. And he would set dates. Do you remember this? He would set dates and say, this is the day that Jesus is coming back, and that will be the end of the world. And you would think that, you know, people might be wise enough to fact check, right? But back then they didn't. A lot of people got bought into this. And what happened was people sold their houses. People sold their furniture. They gave everything up because they thought that he was going to come that day. And, of course, when it didn't happen, so many people who followed that were in economic and financial ruin. It was, it was horrible. It's clear right here. Not even the angels know. Not even Jesus the Son knows, but only the Father knows when he's coming back. So if you ever hear it, side note, that this day is coming back, Jesus Christ, don't fall for it. All right? Don't fall for it. But regardless, if nobody knows when Jesus is coming back, neither did the people of the Bible know back then when Jesus would be born, how he would be born, where he was going to be born. So how do they wait? Our text says, be ready, be ready for the coming. Last week, it's the same thing, be prepared for the advent of the Savior. But here's the question, how do you get ready for something you don't know anything about? That you don't know, you know when it's going to happen, how do you prepare for that? Jesus says, be ready, be ready. But, but for most of us, being ready means that you kind of have an idea what to be ready for, right? You have a little certainty, an idea of what to look for, what to expect, then you could be ready. And when we actually don't know what to look for, then everything that happens to us feels like unexpected. I mean, think about this. Another Christmas. Another Christmas tree. Another present. Another family meal. Um, waiting for Christmas Day for us today is not a big deal because you pretty much know what to expect. It's usually the same thing. Waiting isn't a big deal when you know what to expect. And I think that's the issue. This is the problem. I think this is the issue. Not just when it comes to Christmas and not feeling the Christmas spirit, but also to our life of faith. Think about this. How many Christmases have you had in your life already? Is there anything that different? Is there anything that new? Let me, let me flip this on another way. Think about your faith. How long have you been a Christian today? How many Sundays have you been coming to church? 
Do you ever feel like, as long as you've been a Christian or trying to be a Christian, that there is nothing new? Do you ever feel like you already kind of know everything about what's to come on a Sunday, what God's supposed to do, what being gracious should mean, what, what people and Christians should act like? Do you ever feel like you already know everything and the answer is always Jesus and that every Sunday you kind of know already what to expect and that it's kind of all the same? Or maybe you think that you know enough Bible, you know enough theology, you know this God enough that nothing is ever going to be different. You see, the problem is when you think you already know, when you think you already are right about something, guess what? You stop taking in new information. When you think you're right about something, when you think this is it, this is what it is, there's nothing more. You stop taking in new information. And I think that's the issue sometimes. When we think we already know everything, when we think we already know what to expect, we just don't expect anymore. We don't expect anymore. When we think we know what to expect, what to look for, guess what happens? Sometimes we miss what we're meant to find altogether. So I want us to, from this passage, rethink what Advent is from this passage. Because if verse 36 in this chapter is right, that even the angels didn't know, or even Jesus didn't know when he was going to come back, then Advent, waiting and being ready for something, it means something quite different from knowing what's coming and what's to expect. Even in our passage, verse 44, Jesus says, The Son of Man is coming when? At an unexpected hour. And so maybe, just maybe, being awake or alert and prepared has nothing to do with knowing for sure what to expect. But it has a lot to do with being surprised by the unexpected. A kind of surprise that brings unexpected joy. You know what, for me, the best Christmas presents or any present is? It's when it's unexpected. Right? You know what the best roller coaster is? It's when it makes a turn that was unexpected. You know what some of the best movies are? It has an ending that you would never have thought it would happen. It was completely a surprise. Unexpected. And the birth of Jesus Christ, you already know the story, so you know kind of what to expect. But the people of the Bible, they had no idea. It was unexpected. They didn't expect Jesus to be born like a child. They didn't expect the Son of God to be born in a manger, born to two nobodies, Joseph and Mary, and that the only people first to see them were dirty shepherds. And then he comes later on in Jerusalem on a donkey, right, as a king, that this master would wash the feet of his servants. Nobody expected this, that the Lord and God had to die, had to die on a cross. Unexpected. You would have thought that in the Bible, the religious people would have gotten Jesus, right? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious people would understand who Jesus was. You would think they would have understood him, but no. Guess who did? It was lepers. It was tax collectors. It was Gentiles. It was poor people. It was adulterers. Totally unexpected for the people of the Bible. Let me ask you a question today. 
Don't you long for something unexpected? Don't you long for God to do something unexpected? Expectations are when we think we know exactly what's going to happen in the future. What the good thing is, this is what we think it is, this is the bad thing, what good people are, what bad people are, what rewards the good people will get, and what punishment the bad people will get. Maybe expectations are when we think we already know what the outcome should be. And this is why many of us are so angry and upset with our people in our lives and our situations and, and, and our work is because we have all these expectations of what we think it should be and they're not met. Right? But waiting with Christmas expectancy is different. Christmas expectancy is when we are open to whatever the outcome is. Whether it's dirty, whether it's a manger, whether it's a smelly shepherd, or even a little baby. Whatever the outcome is, Christmas expectancy is still that God will be with us. That's the expectancy. That's the Christmas story, isn't it? That God, that Jesus comes to be with us in unexpected circumstances, in unexpected, surprising ways. The Christmas advent or the Christian expectancy is this. It's confessing that this story is not just true. It's big. It's bigger than you think. It's bigger than just your expectations. This story of the Christmas birth reaches back in the past, but it also reaches in the future. The promise that God is still not done today. That no matter whether our own expectations are met or not, the promise still holds. Through it all, we will not be left alone. That God is already in the present, in the future, that we are always anxious about. That's hope. See, biblical hope is not uh, wishful thinking. Hope in the Bible is waiting with a kind of expectancy, trusting that no matter what happens, no matter the circumstance or situation, no matter the problem, God is still not only with us, but he's working among us in unexpected ways that we could probably never imagine. That's what Advent was to expect the unexpected. That's hope. That's a crazy thing we Christians are supposed to do, to say that our expectancy, our hope, is not in the Dow Jones, but it's in the God of Abraham and Sarah. To say that our hope and expectancy is not in our government or its leadership or its president, but it's in the God of Isaiah and Mary Magdalene. That's kind of crazy to say that our hope is never in our ability to be hopeful. It's not in our ability to be politically correct. It's not in our ability to do and get anything right whatsoever. Our hope is in the God of the Bible who did the unexpected and promises to do so in the future. Through the ups and downs, through the joys and the disappointments, through our own personal unmet expectations, the hope is still, still Emmanuel, God with us, still with us, and still working. 
You see, uncertainty and unexpectedness, it's not always a bad thing. Living with uncertain expectation allows us to be taken unaware by the grace of God, taken by surprise, surprised by grace. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time that happened to you, that you were surprised by the grace that you have received? But that's what the Bible people were all about. Because no one expected the Son of God to be a baby born in a manger, born to poor people. No one expected Jesus to die. No one expected Jesus, the supposed king, the supposed God, to hang on a cross and die like a criminal. It was totally expected. No one, no person, no other group, no other religion, even today, not even his own disciples, expected someone to rise from the dead. Completely unexpected. Surprised by joy. And hope. I don't know if you're like me, but we tend to get caught in our thinking about things in our life. Maybe, you know, there's people in your life that you think, you know, you had expectations and they weren't met and that's just the way they are. They're never going to change. Maybe you have issues in your family. You have expectations from them and you got let down because they weren't being the best brother or sister, the best husband or wife, the best son or daughter, you know, yet, and it's kind of let you down. Never going to change. You had friends who thought you were friends, but then you realized they're not as close as you thought you were. Maybe work. It's the same thing again. It's the same thing. No matter what work I find, it's always the same problems. It's people issues. It's management. It's the same thing. Our country is a mess, Right? I don't know how we're going to get out of it. It's in turmoil. Everyone's fighting everybody else. Everyone's criticizing everybody else. It's just, it's just a mess. I don't know if anything's going to change. The world, the world is always the same. Nothing's different. I don't expect things to change. And you kind of just have a down look. If that's you, because that's me sometimes, but if that's you, let me ask you this. Is your idea of God big enough Is your idea of God big enough? Isn't, isn't he big enough? Do you believe in a God like this? Isn't, isn't he strong enough? Isn't this God that we say created everything, the universe and all that has in it, isn't he great enough? Isn't he merciful and gracious enough? Because if he is, then no matter what you see in front of you, there's always hope. And so we hope in him who is still with us, the Christmas story says. And we hope in him to do what we always maybe don't expect. To expect the unexpected. It's easy to let the failures, the disappointments, the betrayals, the sin, or even what feels like endless waiting for something to happen and still be discouraged and to give up or to stop trying or to stop caring. But it's through this Advent season, it's through this Christmas story, not the Santa one, but the Jesus one, the unexpected one, it's through this story that we ought to view ourselves, that we ought to view others that we ought to view the world, that this 
powerful, huge, almighty, sovereign God who is with us and still with us, working in us, in our lives, in our spouses, our children, at work, in the world. So prepare yourself. Be ready by patiently waiting with hope for the God of the unexpected. The unexpected. That's who he is. And I think that's where we need to put our faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for your grace. We thank you so much for the season. Um, no matter where we are right now with our faith with you, no matter what doubts we have, or strugglings, what, what struggles we have, or, or whether we're doing really well, whatever the situation, we just asked for patience, uh, for mercy, for grace. To put our trust not in ourselves, in our ability to control our situation or to control the people around us, but Lord, to put our trust in you. That though what we expect sometimes doesn't always come to pass, that you are still a God who has a plan. You're still a God who's in control and you're still with us. So turn our eyes away from ourselves, help them to focus on you. And when they focus on you, help us to remember again you're a God too big, too great for our own imagination, and therefore unexpected. Give us hope this time of year, wherever we need it, and help us to trust in you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.